Welcome to the Arrive Podcast, the U.S. Immigration Law Podcast for Canadians. I am Jeremy Richards, and I'm here with my business partner and fellow immigration attorney, Christine Jerusik. Together, we are Richards and Jerusik Immigration Law, practicing U.S. immigration law from our offices in Buffalo, New York, and Toronto, Ontario. And we help Canadians to work and live in the United States. If you haven't already, please follow and like us on your podcast app. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, Richards and Jerusik Immigration Law. And follow us and like us on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram uh, for regular updates on U.S. immigration law uh, that we have created just for Canadians. Uh, in addition, on our website, there is a resources tab where you can subscribe to a weekly newsletter where you will receive all our recent updates and posts about U.S. immigration law as well. Today, we are going to be discussing uh, some of the intricacies of the USMCA in the TN professions list. And the profession we're going to be using as an example is that of a medical technologist or a lab technologist. They, there's different terms that are thrown around that, that can mean the same thing. And there are various professions that may or may not fall under that. And the reason we're discussing this is because we've received some calls lately surrounding this profession, as well as uh, other medical-related professions, such as registered nurse. And one of these, one of the things that certain professions, these medical professions under uh, the USMCA, have in common, is that there are certain delineated professions that all require what is called a visa screen. And the visa screen is a credentialing uh, to make sure that the credentials that a foreign worker coming into the United States, that they possess the proper credentials to perform the duties of that profession inside the United States. And they have the list. And the list right here, it's, it's through a company called CGFNS. Um, They're the ones that provide the, the visa screen. Um, it's only them that can do it. And if you are applying for a profession that is listed, uh, you have to have a visa, visa screen prior to applying. And it doesn't matter where you got your education. You could have been educated in the United States or Canada or elsewhere. If you fall under one of these professions, you have to have that visa screen before they can approve your TN. Uh, and the list is registered nurses, licensed practical or vocational nurses, physical therapists, uh, and it specifically states only and, and then excludes physical therapist assistants, occupational therapists, physical assi physician assistants, audiologists, speech language pathologists, clinical lab technicians, medical lab technicians, clinical lab scientists, and medical lab technologists. And then in bright red bold letters, it lists professions that they cannot provide visa screens for, uh, which include cardiovascular perfusion, biology, microbiology, chemistry, lab safety, cytology, blood banking, etc. And and then it says they do not fall within the technologist category. It excludes those professions, and say they fall out of the certification requirement. And if you, if you paid attention, it says they do not fall within the technologist category. So what we see often is somebody who's working in in a what could be considered a a related profession, 
and their profession is not listed uh, under the USMCA professions list. Now, the USMCA professions list, if you look it up, it's under Appendix uh, 1603D1 of the USMCA. It breaks it down. General professions. It's actually under Appendix 2. To oh, Appendix 16. 2. <laughs> they changed that. Uh, so <laughs> when they did the USMCA, uh, so the general professions list, and that's where you're going to find professions such as accountants, architects, lawyers, engineers, graphic designers, um, your standard professions list that they have. And then there are medical and allied professions. And then they list those dentists, pharmacists, registered nurse, veterinarians, etc. And then science professions, which include biologists, chemists, geologists, physicists, and so forth. And then teaching professions, college teachers, seminary teachers, and university teachers. We get, we get individuals calling in and they misunderstand this classification and how it's laid out. Yeah, it's not very clear. So I, I totally agree with them when, when they have, are confused about it. It is confusing on its face. So Yeah, but so they read those main categories that I, that I just went through. The main category of general professions, medical professions, science professions, and teaching professions. And they don't see necessarily their profession listed you know, they're not a, and we'll go back to medical technologists, they're not a medical or lab technologist, but they work in a related field. So they'll say, oh, I want to get a TN because I work in a medical or allied profession. Yeah, and it seems like something that should be on the list, right? So I understand why people and would it may think be it a, would be there. And it may be a profession that's in demand, and right. it may be a profession that U.S. workers can't find people for. Right, and so that there's lots of job offers out there for them. Unfortunately, that is not how it works. Just because you are in a, quote, medical or allied profession, if your profession isn't specifically delineated under the USMCA professions list, then it doesn't qualify, unfortunately. No matter how good of an argument you make that you are in demand, that the employer can't find U.S. workers, well, that's not part of the TN application process. Now, is that a part of a separate process? Sure. If that employer wishes to sponsor you for uh, what's called an EB-2 or EB-3 under the green card program and an immigrant visa, yeah, they can do that. It's a lengthy process. <laughs> we just had our first interview scheduled for one of these that was processing through Montreal since COVID. This person's interview was scheduled prior prior to COVID and just, and was canceled that's because an over of COVID. That's two year wait time for just and that's the interview. After, <laughs> and that's just the interview. That yeah. doesn't include the whole certification process. So that's really not an option for most people to wait three, three years to enter the country. So they're looking for something more immediate. Uh, and the TN, if you're Canadian or Mexican, is immediate. If you, if your profession's listed and you meet those qualifications, you have the right paperwork, you can go to a port of entry and applied it today. Yeah, it's about as quick as you can get in immigration law, that's and, for sure. And you're on your way. Love love USMCA for that. Love NAFTA and what it what it provides because it's it provides that ease of transfer. However, it can be very frustrating if your profession isn't listed. So, for example, one of the cases that we had recently and this was an interesting one and one of the things I love about what we do is I learn stuff all the time. Um 
learn about new professions and new things. Um, and we're able to apply, apply our expertise in, in different ways all the time. Yeah. I think a couple of weeks ago, actually over the last couple of months, I took a deep dive into nanotechnology and uh, carbon nanotubes for a client. So, and they were trying to get a, um, a scientist approved, but they weren't Canadian. So we were going through a transfer process and, um, they had to show they had knowledge in this area and over in order for me to explain that they had knowledge in this area, I had to pretty much understand the area myself. So, um, we do get to learn a lot of new stuff, which is cool. Yeah. And that was a, a great success. Uh, USCIS challenged it, but after a successful argument, they got their visa approved, Mm -hmm. which is, that was a, yeah, that was a great case. Um, now, th- the case in point here is a cardiovascular perfusionist um, who works in a hospital setting. What is a perfusionist? I don't, uh, I don't didn't know what one was until you told me about it. So they they work with work with um, doctors when they're performing surgeries uh, dealing with the heart. So they work they keep the heart alive is what I understand. And a perfusionist out there will will probably uh, correct me on that. I'm not <laughs> an expert. Um, but a cardiovascular perfusionist works in a hospital setting, uh, in, in the surgery setting, working along with uh, the doctors that are, that are working uh, on the heart. So we had an individual and actually a company who does work in this field. They provide perfusionists to hospitals for both teaching as well as um, practice. And they had two perfusionists go and apply for TNs, both approved. Then they had a third one go get denied. And they were confused. And they did not understand. The first time this, the one that was denied was returned, they, they told them that they were lacking a visa screen. Sounds like only one of those border officers was doing their job correctly. (laughs) Well, yeah. And that's, you can get by sometimes, even if you're not qualified, which can cause confusion. That's what happened here. Oh, So the border officer said, I can't approve you. Not because your profession doesn't qualify. They didn't, which to me says that that officer did not know what a cardiovascular perfusion is. And I wouldn't blame them for that. (laughs) Me either. Um, The individual is applying under the medical lab or clinical lab technician as a cardiovascular perfusionist. So that profession is listed. It sounds like a right fit, doesn't it? Sounds like it, especially if you don't know what the heck it is. (laughs) (laughs) But then the officer looks at looks at the requirements and under the and then one of the requirements there is visa screen. Well, she didn't have a visa screen. Well, why didn't she have a visa screen? Well, because you can't get one. And as I stated earlier, right on right on the CGFNS website, it says cardiovascular perfusion is not one of the professions mm-hmm. and they can't issue one. So, so that should have been a red flag right there. It should have been to the officer. Yeah. They shouldn't have said, no, we can't give it because you, you don't have a visa screen. They should have said, no, we can't give it to you because your profession doesn't qualify. Right. It's excluded. And we know that because you can't get a visa screen. So... The client was able to then get a, an expert opinion, so to speak, from CGFNS International, who issues the opinions uh, and, and issues the, the visa issue screens. The visa screens yeah. yeah, and they explained why, and 
in 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 their opinion, they specifically they they lay out exactly what a medical or lab technologist is. And if you go to our website, and this is a plug for our website, there's a lot of good resources on there. If you go into our resources tab, uh, it's called our blog. Uh, we post information on there on a regular basis, and there is one that is specific to what we're talking about. There's also one that's specific to visa screens, but there's also one there about whether or not you qualify as a medical lab technologist. And it has a lot of this information that we're discussing on that blog. Have we described what a visa screen is and what it's for? A visa, yes, a visa screen is to to qualify your credentials. So that right, so they take a look at your education and your experience and what you've done. Make sure it's equivalent to U.S. standards. Okay, and so then they provide a certification saying that saying it meets that it. whatever you've done, your schooling, your experience, whatever it is, meets the U.S. requirements. Correct. So you can come in and work. Which is funny because you have to get it even if you were yeah. So they, educated they, in, in the U.S. In some cases, they're evaluating a U.S. education, right? Yeah. <laughs> But it's the requirement, and there's no way around it. So um, this officer said, we need this visa screen. She said, well, I can't give you a visa screen because they, they won't, won't issue me a yeah. visa screen because my profession doesn't require one. So kind of a catch-22, right? So I spoke to the individual on the phone, got the details, researched it, and I said, well, based on my opinion, and this is before I got the opinion from CGFNS, and there's a way where you can go through the Department of Labor and you can look at professions and their classification and, and where they fall in, in the hierarchy of professions and whether or not it falls under a medical lab technician or technologist. And, and my initial reply was, this doesn't qualify. I said, this is not a medical lab tech or or technologist or technician. This this doesn't qualify. It, unfortunately, it's not one. It doesn't fit. And... Uh, then I recommended potentially an H-1B, which is a different visa type. It's harder to get. People mm -hmm. don't want to use it because you have to do a lottery. <laughs> well, in this case, we were able to get it around the lottery, but we can we can talk about that later. Um, so um, this opinion that came back from CGFNS actually confirmed what my suspicions were. And it, the good thing about it is it, it clearly defines what a medical technologist is not only for uh, their standards in the company that issues these visa screens, but also from the Department of Homeland Security, which is where U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services falls under, as well as uh, CBP. So they say in here, um, clinical lab scientists work in five major areas of a lab, blood banking, chemistry, hematology, immunology, and microbiology. The medical technologist performs a full range of analytical and laboratory tests on blood, tissues, and fluids to provide laboratory information for the detection, diagnosis, and treatment of human diseases. The educational requirement is a bachelor of science degree cardiovascular perfusion are a separate and distinct profession from clinical lab scientists. And the client wanted to go to the border with this letter. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's that they not a good qualify. idea. Because <laughs> not only does it say you, you can't get a visa screen, but it, it says right there that it's a separate and distinct profession. That it doesn't qualify for TN. Right? Doesn't qual therefore, it doesn't qualify. But that, that explanation of what a medical lab tech or clinical lab scientist is, is, is very narrow and it's pretty clear. 
and you and you said this when we were having this discussion because we often Christine and I often discuss cases and bounce ideas off each other and 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 determine wow does is this can we make this work right is there an argument to be made <laughs> and I remember your your initial response well was uh, well a lab tech works in a lab she doesn't work in a lab she works in an operating room she's not a lab tech right. and that's and you know what that approach and that view is absolutely correct by this definition. Well, how they're defining it, these people work in labs. Right. If you're not working in a lab and you're in a medical profession, you're probably not qualifying under medical lab tech. It's right there in the name, lab. Um, and she doesn't. She she works in operating rooms, yeah. side by side um, with surgeons and other medical professionals. Um, so clearly outside of it. But then they go on and talk. They get this laundry list of professions that are and aren't related. And these professions that they say are unrelated are ones we get calls about all the time where people are wondering whether or not they qualify. Right, because it's confusing and, and people aren't sure. For example, a radio tech or x-ray tech or sonographer. I've... Yeah, we field calls from those people all I've the time. I've got them approved in the past. Sure. Um, so, but as more and more though, information... But incorrectly approved. Incorrectly. Yeah. But as more and more information comes out and that's how this works as more and more information comes out and it's available not only to the public but also to the border officers because the USMCA professions list is very bland on its face mm -hmm. it just says accountant and then bachelor's degree CPA you qualify it, it doesn't give much information it doesn't even say the specific degree well over time we know that if you're working one of those professions, your degree must be closely related. You can't apply as an accountant if you have a degree in biology. It's not related at all. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you have a degree, a financial degree, and you have account, a heavy course load in, in accounting, then you might still qualify. Well, that came out over time as people are applying, saying, oh, it just says bachelor's degree, right? And they, they said, no, we can't approve you. Well, why not? Well, it's not closely related. Well, over time, that is, it the has become flushed out. practical application of They've of issued the memos. Rules. Yeah. They've issued memos and, and guidance and clarification on what does and doesn't qualify for each profession. And this is one of them. So, for example, mm -hmm. medical assistants, respiratory therapists, medical records and information technicians, medical equipment preparers, biomedical engineers, respiratory therapy technicians, cardiovascular technicians and technologists, radiological technicians, medical sonographers, radiological technologists, pharmacy technicians, and surgical technologists do not qualify. Those are not medical lab technicians or technologists. Clearly, um, separates them from the profession, saying not only can they not provide a visa screen for them, but they don't qualify at all. And then it gives a list of other ones that that are related and would potentially qualify. And I'm not going to go over all of them on the list. It's it's quite an extensive list, um, but there are several that do fall under it. And if if you're looking at this list, they do provide. It says technologists in blood banking, technologists in chemistry, and cytogenics. Uh, these people work in labs, phlebotomy technician. These, these mm -hmm. people all work in a lab setting. Uh, so they all have that in common. And it goes back to that initial definition. But because this client, the employer, was able to get two approved and one denied, 
caused all sorts of confusion. So what we did is we were able to, and this, this employer actually places these cardiovascular perfusionists at a major teaching hospital in the U.S., one of one of the most renowned teaching hospitals in, throughout the entire United States. They're actually the largest teaching hospital in the U.S., which happens to be what is called cap-exempt, meaning that if they wish to employ somebody on an H-1B, they don't have to go through the lottery or cap system to employ somebody. They're exempt, and they can just bring in an employee at any time they want as long as they qualify for the H-1B without going through the cap. Well, the employer... Well, that's is, lucky. <laughs> yeah, the employer is for profit, however. They're clearly not cap exempt. But there is, a there is, and I won't say a loophole, it's not a loophole, but there is a method by which if you are a private entity and you are affiliated with a cap exempt institution and you are placing your worker there in, in furtherance of the objectives of that cap exempt institution then you can take advantage of their cap-exempt status to then get an H-1B for your employee and place them there. And since she, this, this individual is going as a teaching cardiac perfusionist, she's teaching it at this teaching hospital to those studying to be cardiovascular perfusionists, then we were able to get a cap-exempt H-1B for this individual to place him at the hospital. Which is the correct visa for this position. Which is the correct visa. Exactly. Not the because it's a separate and distinct profession from a medical tech. A medical tech wouldn't even qualify for an H-1B. Why? Because the standard for an H-1B is a bachelor's, bachelor's or higher. Yeah, a, lot a lot of, of medical techs don't, don't have it. it and don't require it. And it's not whether or not you have the degree when you're talking H-1B. Yeah. It's whether the profession requires it for entry mm -hmm. into the profession. Cardiovascular perfusionist is pretty clear on his face. You have to have that degree for entry into the profession. So after going through and navigating this process, we were finally able to get this individual approved for an H-1B visa to then come in on the correct visa. Well, now the the employer is kind of in a spot because they have two other employees. Right, <laughs> that some they of their know workforce is on the wrong visa right now. That they know have TNs that should not. Well, why is that an issue? Well, anytime those employees travel outside of the U.S., an officer, when they re-enter, could ask them whatever they want or to what determine you, so what they're... Yeah, what's your job? Yeah, what are you and doing? they say, oh, I'm, a, I'm a perfusionist. And maybe you run into an officer that's... On a TN? That's aware of yeah, the distinction. Yeah, on a TN? How right. did you get that? Well, I'm a medical lab. Yeah, no, you're not. They may know what a perfusionist is and say, uh, and guess what happens? They yank that TN status from that individual and deny entry. Because yeah. they're not qualified. Yeah. And now you're out that worker. So what should this employer do? And we've talked about this. Well, they should immediately file to change status for these these to, TN workers yeah. from TN to H1B to get them in the proper status. And we see this happen too. Um, and, and not that they didn't initially enter into correctly, but we see it with management consultants, for example. And a management consultant may come in for a temporary, a legitimate mm -hmm. temporary time period to advise and consult with a company. But then the company decides during that consulting arrangement, you know what? We want to hire this person permanently. Right. We, we want to make them our CEO or our CFO yeah, we've seen or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, the TN isn't the right fit for that. Mm -mm. That's not a profession on there. Management consultants consult. They don't actually hold a role in the company. 
uh, as an active manager or executive or whatever it may be. So what is our suggestion to them? Enter the H-1B lottery, get in the lottery, right. if you're transition chosen, to an H-1B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not just this instance where that may apply. We see it on a regular basis. We talk basis to people where a lot people where their profession the just, I mean, yeah, and their profession is not, maybe they're not admitted in the wrong status, but the right visa for them is the H-1B just because their occupation is not on that TN list. So they're Canadian. They check all the boxes except for their occupation doesn't match up with the TN list. And then the only other option you go with is H-1B. I mean, there's O-1. There may be some other ones. Right. An individual may have other qualifications that can get them another visa. But And how many times would you say, and there's no number we can put on this. This is like when somebody asks us, well, what's my chance of approval? How many of these have you done? (laughs) How many of these have you done? Yeah. Um, How many have you, how many cases have you seen recently, like the calls and emails we get where somebody was approved in the past and just got denied? Oh, it happens all the time. All the time. I would say far greater number now than pre-COVID. Yeah. Now that they have, like some of the ports have implemented a uh, interview, so you have to schedule an interview ahead of time, especially if you're coming through the Buffalo port. Right, so they can take more time with you and really dig dig into what you're doing and, and whether or not you qualify. Yes. So with that, we're seeing a lot more people refused, not just on a new application, but ones that have been on, app, on, on TN status for years. You're talking nine years plus... They've been on TN, no issue. All of a sudden, they were refused entry. Mm-hmm. And they should have been. They should have never got that TN nine years ago. They were correctly denied, yeah. And unfortunately, we can't take those cases. We can't can't help those individuals. And they, they just don't understand sometimes. And then, you know, I'll send links to information and try to explain to them, hey, you were approved incorrectly. Um, it, whether we file with U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services or send you back to the border, the, the problem is still there, right? Qualified. <laughs> you, you still don't have the right profession. And every time you travel or anything, you take the risk of them revoking that visa. Yeah. I don't know about you, but me and my family and what I do, <laughs> knowing that I'm on the wrong visa and it could potentially be taken from With me at insecurity, any time. The oh, insecurity of building a life somewhere where you a foreign know, country. Yeah, where it could be taken away from you on your next you buy a trip, house, trip a car. outside the country. Yeah, your kids are in school. So you got to be careful. Um, so make sure before you apply for any visa that you actually meet the criteria, especially, you know, TN where you're applying same day. It's very dangerous. It sounds it sounds appealing and easy because you can just show to a port of entry and make an application and get a visa and you're on your way. But at the same time, it creates a permanent record. And, and it's unfortunate that the risk lies solely with the applicant and yep. the employee. And the the risk on the employer is very minimal. There's zero, a, right? It's pretty much zero. Unless they're committing fraud. But even then. Even then the employer doesn't really the have. Employer. The employee know, gets it there's all. There's not a lot of recourse. But yep. you, the employee is the one who's flagged Maybe. for future travel. So even your, you know, your vacation to Florida yes. could be impacted from a, a bad TN application. Yep. And I've seen where an individual is traveling with other people, right? And so you got to be careful who's in your car too. Uh, And you get flagged because you were with an unsavory person. Uh, And then they, every time you go in the future, they, you get pulled over. 
Yeah. Not I because of something you've done, but because of something someone else yeah, has done. And because all the risk is on the employee, it's important to get, you know, even if your employer doesn't have a process whereby they they prepare an application for you through an attorney, even we've seen so many even times where employers an use attorney. an attorney that's not familiar with the TN or just don't do a lot of them. Um, it's valuable to have a, t- a TN attorney that knows what they're doing. Take that a look at that with Canadians and prep you for the interview prior to going so that you know how you qualify and you understand the whole process. Yeah, that works with Canadians. I, I talked to a Canadian recently who was down in, I think, El Paso, Texas, and they were getting advice from a, a, an attorney who had never really worked with Canadians, only Mexicans. We, we know how to work with both, by the way. But they, they had no idea how to do a TN for Canadian. And they didn't know the rules for Canadians. For yeah, example, they were playing with the consulate. <laughs> yeah, and they totally messed this guy's application yeah. up because they were treating him as a Mexican and they were giving him these warnings yeah. <laughs> of overstaying and working illegally. And, and yeah, no, that doesn't apply. And I had to reassure yeah. him, yeah, this doesn't apply to you. You're Canadian. You don't have to worry about, that, right? to worry about it. But we see that a lot with lawyers in general, because if you think about the world, very, very small percentage of a, a raindrop of those people are Canadian, like 30 million. That's not very many people of right. the billions in the world. And if you break down the other segment of a, where uh, the immigration attorneys are working with, they're working with Indians and Chinese. So Indian Nationals, citizens yeah. and, and Chinese citizens. That's what they're dealing with. Well, you're talking billions of people that fall and we under work that. with we work with plenty of um, we do citizens of India and rules, China as yeah, well. The rules are very Most different. Most of them are permanent residents of Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we we deal with them on with nationals of all countries, yeah. but some attorneys do not understand the intricacies of working with Canadians. And because they don't, they often make mistakes and they treat them like nationals of other country, other countries that don't have the same um, exemptions that Canadians do. So be aware when you're out there shopping around or, or looking for advice. And to reiterate what you said, Christine, um, even if an attorney has prepared it and you're just unsure or you're not confident in their expertise, uh, with TN applications mm-hmm. or uh, applications there's, for I Canadians mean, so in there's, general. There's See, that pitfall is, you know, the U.S. immigration attorney that, you know, deals mainly with non-Canadians. Yeah. That's a pitfall. And then there's also the Canadian, the, the U.S. immigration attorney in Canada. That's another pitfall. Um, those attorneys, we've seen a lot of bad representation coming out of U.S. attorneys that are working in Canada and I don't know what it is. It's not, I don't know if it's the exposure or if they're, um, you know, maybe crossing Canadian and immigration. They're mixing up Canadian and U.S. immigration law. That is not a good thing. So you got to be super careful. Even if you have representation, I have a case on my desk right now that has a huge request for evidence and the attorney's basically walking away from this client because they don't know what to do. Um, okay. Well, so, they shouldn't have never filed that case. No. Well, it, it wasn't approvable from the start. Right. And, and they should know that. I just shake my that. head. So be careful. Um, you know, you're taking all the risk with the TN. The best thing to do is just have somebody take a look at it and prep you for that interview and, or even just have a call to find out whether you're qualified and make sure you have that security before you go. Yeah. And, and oftentimes we do a free 15 minute assessment with people mm-hmm. in that 15 minute call. We do this so often. It, it doesn't even take 15 minutes. Most of the time, yeah. usually within the first 
couple minutes, we can identify whether somebody's qualified or not. And it's, it's worth their time or our time to continue that conversation. Um, but if, if it is more complicated than that, or maybe you do have an application, we also review too. So we review other attorneys work. Um, and we do provide feedback on applications to make sure that they are approvable and give feedback and advice uh, to rec- correct and, and mistakes. Practical too. advice. Yeah important information from people that have do TNs every day. And some things you don't need to worry about, like minor errors or omissions, yeah, it may not impact it. But there are there are key things that if they are missing or they are incorrect, will cause you a mm-hmm. world of trouble. So you need to be careful. Well, thank you for listening today. I uh, hope you were able to uh, learn something new from this content. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast for upcoming episodes uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts and check us out uh, not only our website as I mentioned earlier for resources uh, on the information we've discussed but a lot of other information uh, about U.S. immigration law and you can subscribe to our newsletter it comes out every week on there uh, as well as our YouTube channel where we have very helpful uh, practical advice on U.S. immigration law. Thank you for listening and have a great day.